how do you find the balance of doing your work, but also making time for yourself, right? And as an HR professional, it's really about helping your teams set clear boundaries, but each person has to make their own boundaries as to how much work they're going to do and and when are they going to stop and turn it off and go home or do something else. Welcome to the HR L&D podcast with your host, Nick Day, CEO and founder of JGA Recruitment, specialist HR recruiters. Tuning into the HR L&D podcast will help you to discover strategic growth concepts, leadership development strategies, and the values and behaviors that drive organizational change and success. Together, let's empower our workforces, diversify our thinking, and achieve significant HR success. Hello, and welcome back to the HR L&D podcast. My name is Nick Day, CEO at JGA Recruitment Group, specialist HR recruiters. Now, whether you're listening to this for the first time or the hundredth time, Thank you so much for joining me today on this HR podcast. Of course, if you do enjoy the show, please do subscribe to it. Please let all of your HR colleagues know about it. And maybe we can really raise the profile of human resources across the globe together. Right, on to today's guest, because today I'm joined by Michelle Molitor, who's an internationally recognized speaker, certified executive confidence coach, rapid transformational therapy practitioner. We're going to talk about more of that during the podcast and founder and CEO of Nectar Consulting Corporation. Michelle is also co-author of the best-selling book, Breakthrough Healing, and she's renowned for her work, which involves enhancing the capacity of leaders, something, as you know, we're very passionate about on this podcast, to build high-performing teams and exponentially increase bottom line results. Now, Michelle's unique rapid rewiring approach is a culmination of years of study in the realms of emotional intelligence, neuroscience, organizational psychology, and rapid transformational therapy. And it's Michelle's passion for helping others by amplifying their natural talents and leadership qualities that led me to invite you on today's podcast. So we can talk about all of those things in more detail. I want to let Michelle tell us more about her unique approach. So rather than me do it, I'm going to introduce her because there are some things on this podcast, which we've discussed in the past, which I know is relevant to all of you. And one of those things relates to self-doubt and imposter syndromes. There are certainly two areas we will be exploring in more detail. So do stay tuned. And uh, Michelle, welcome to the show. How are you feeling today? I'm great, Nick. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I love your enthusiasm. Oh, my pleasure. <laughs> Delighted to have you here. Really excited. You've got some really exciting, a really exciting way of looking at, at looking at the world. And I'm really keen to, to explore that further. But before we get into the nitty gritty, I'm going to start with this question right off the bat, which we do for all of our guests now, which is what does the word human resources mean to you? Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> First time I've ever been asked that. There we are. Um, what does human resources mean to me? For me, that is the glue that connects us all together, right? We're hardwired to be in community with each other. And it's very easy to forget that in some respects when you're working in an organization because everybody's got their blinders on and they're yeah. going and they're doing and they're checking their boxes. And so human resources is about seeing into the talent of each person, their genuine, unique gifts, and helping bring that out in various different ways while also helping foster that community, that culture, um, which is really, really important in any organization. Yeah, what a fantastic response. Great way to kick off the show. So post-pandemic, we're seeing HR teams being stretched 
immeasurably, if I'm honest. There's still a lot of uncertainty that surrounds businesses, employment, the future, certainly the future of HR as well. And in addition, as I mentioned in my introduction, I've interviewed a number of guests that talk a lot about now, maybe they've secured new, quite big profile roles, roles post-pandemic, and outwardly they need to show confidence. They need to show assure, you know, an assuredness that gives real sense of confidence for the staff they're looking after. But internally, they're suffering from anxiety and imposter syndrome and, and other things that are affecting them internally. So what I'd love to know, what I'd love to really explore to begin with, really, is what can these HR leaders do to help them overcome some of these fears and some of these anxieties, particularly when we're in such uncertain times. Gosh, yeah, we've all been hit with the anxiety bug <laughs> and the self-doubt because our world's literally turned upside down and and everything changed in a blink of an eye. And so it's natural to experience that anxiety and that self-doubt to help overcome it, to help reclaim your, your confidence from that self-doubt. There are some simple things but not necessarily easy things that everyone can do. First and foremost is really reconnect with your values. What are the things that are most important to you? They're like water and air to you and how you move through your day and how you you share your gifts, how you share your talents and expertise. Because if your values are at a crossroads with your work or the culture of the work that you you know, of the organization, that creates anxiety, that creates self-doubt. Am I getting it right? You start second guessing yourself and that can lead you all the way down the rabbit hole very, very quickly. So making sure that as much as possible, you get to do what you love and love what you do. And what I mean by that is that, that your work is as much as possible aligned with your core values so that you don't have those crossroads, you don't create that dis-ease in your system, which can very quickly lead to disease, right? So it's getting to know yourself better, taking time to like, well, what is really important to me? I remember in my former career, I was a creative director in web development. I had been moved to the San Francisco Bay Area at the height of the dot-com boom for a hot dot-com startup. We were going to IPO the week I started. <laughs> I thought I was going to be a millionaire. Fabulous. And um, the market crashed that week instead. Wow. But okay. we kept going and we kept going and we kept going. And I had hired two gentlemen um, to be on my team and they made it very clear in short order that they didn't like working for a woman. And I essentially got bullied out of my job. And mm. That's what led me to coaching. That's what had me discover what has become my life's work. But in one of my very first coaching sessions, my coach asked me, well, what are your core values? I was like, well, that's a good question. I never thought about that before. <laughs> and so it really stopped me in my tracks and had me look deep within to see, well, what is really most important to me? Making a difference, being of contribution, giving back, creativity are all super important things for me. And I could see that in my former career, there was this misalignment, right? I was, you know, leading teams, building multi-million dollar websites, but that wasn't fulfilling for me. It didn't, sure. it didn't make a difference in the way that my heart and spirit was really longing to do that. And so getting bullied out of my job was super painful. <laughs> um, it was a, it was a wake up call 
And it really pointed me in the direction of actually doing my my true life's work, which is the coaching and the leadership that I do now. Fantastic. Well, I'm obviously totally sorry to hear about the bullying scenario, but I like the idea that you be able to find a positive outcome from a negative situation. I believe they do always exist. Sometimes we've got to search for them to find them, but it sounds like in this instance, you found your calling, which is coaching and you have a real skill and a real natural ability in that field, which is fantastic. I think I like that what you talked about there about our core values, because we think we know our own moral compass as well, but it's very rare we actually identify what that's made up from. And actually, what are the things we, we we think we instinctively know it, but we never actually write it down and consider it in that way. I think that links something to you talk a lot in your writing and on your website, which, I, which I'll tell the audience about a little bit later on in the podcast. But you talk a lot about the neuroscience of success and how to master your mindset. I'm presuming that's something you really had to get to grips with when you found that that calling into coaching. Can you tell us more about how the people listening to this that may feel there's some resonance there with what you've mentioned? How can they master their own mindset? Sure. Well, I am secretly a science geek and (laughs) I have become a learning junkie over the last 20 years of my career. And your mind is a very powerful place, right? So when you think about our conscious awareness that we have, the curious thing is that's only like 5% of our brain power. The other 95% of your brain power is your subconscious, your unconscious mind. So everything that's ever happened to you, Nick, is all stored neatly in your subconscious programming, right? So if you had trauma of some kind, small, medium, or large that happened to you as a child, it all is neatly stored in there. And you create these protective mechanisms to keep you safe in the world, right? There's a part of your brain called the amygdala. It's your fight, flight, or freeze mechanism in your brain. I like to call her Amy. Amy's your amygdala. Amy (laughs) loves you. She just wants to keep you safe. And if when you were five, you decided, you know, speaking out was not safe, then you might always sit back in a conversation. You might not speak your truth as an adult. You might be afraid to ask for the raise or the promotion that you deserve because some part of you still thinks it's not safe to speak your truth, right? And so the good news is, um, is that you can rewire your brain, right? Our brain is malleable. Um, Neuroplasticity tells us that, um, all the science around that. And so if you find yourself stuck in a pattern that you can't quite get past, you know there's something, there's a better way for you to be operating, but you don't quite know how to get to that new place, that is a clue that there's there's a subconscious program at play there that is just trying to protect you. So the work that I do as a coach and a hypnotherapist is I work with folks consciously and then at a subconscious level to get at those subconscious programmings and then we identify them and then we rewrite them because as your brain is very malleable, you can literally rewrite the story around those events. You can't change your history, but you can rewrite how you feel about it, the emotional charge around it. And when you neutralize those negative feelings, you can start telling yourself a new thought pattern, right? Instead of feeling or thinking to yourself, well, who am I? I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. I don't believe in myself. You can start telling yourself, I am enough. I am worthy. I am deserving of success. I'm worthy of asking for that raise, whatever that might be for you. And the more you tell yourself these things, the more hardwired they become. So 
as part of the work that I do for my clients, I create a customized transformation recording based on our work, based on our hypnosis sessions. And they listen to that recording every night as they go to sleep because your brain is always listening, right? And so in a very soothing um, and relaxing way, I'm telling you, you are enough. You can believe in yourself. You do believe in yourself. You love yourself. All of these things, whatever it is specific to that particular client, I mix some binaural beat music with it. So you're able wow. to easily yeah. drift into that alpha brainwave state, which is your super learning state. It's where your brain is very open to receiving information. And they listen to that every night. And the more you listen to something, the more ingrained it becomes in your neural pathways, just like the, the song that you still know the words to from 30 years ago, Right because it's dropped into your long-term memory. So that's what we're doing. We're dropping into your long-term memory, these new beliefs, these new habits that get you into action, that have you stand up taller and feel more confident um, in a very short period of time. It's so fascinating. I have to say, I'm, I'm, I'm very familiar with binaural music. And for those that aren't, it's, it's, it's fascinating. It's very interesting. I've suffered from insomnia nearly all my life. So uh, binaural music has been really helped me. So I can totally understand where if you link the two things together, it could be really transformative for people. So if you're not familiar, go and do some research into binaural music. It's fascinating. I can imagine how linking that together. And you mentioned trauma. The reality is all of us, no matter where we are in the world, we all suffer it as adults, uh, whether we lose somebody or something happens in our lives or everyone will have, I guess, an Amy somewhere in their mind, as you call it, that's blocking oh, something. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if someone, you, you might look at someone else and go, well, my trauma's not as bad as theirs. It's We all have our own traumas and it's how we deal with those. I, I find it absolutely fascinating. You talked a little bit about rewiring. And I know that you are a rewiring expert and you, you're a qualified rapid transformational therapist, um, RTT, I think it is for short. Can you tell us more then about how we can, I mean, you've, you've touched upon it already, but how we can use that rewiring for those maybe suffering with confidence or imposter syndrome. They're in an HR leadership role now, you know, multi-million um, dollar or pound company, huge workforces, big transformational change. How can we use some of the theories and, and, and principles that you just talked about to help rewire us to, to build our confidence internally? Sure. Well, it's about, first and foremost, you've got to notice what's the internal dialogue you're having with yourself, because that's where it all starts, right? Sure. No matter what type of trauma you've suffered, because we uh, you're right, we absolutely, we have all suffered it. Some, some people's trauma is smaller, some people's is bigger, but it doesn't matter because it still impacts your heart. Yeah. right? It still impacts your belief about yourself, right? And so it's those beliefs that we hold about ourselves from whatever age that you decided that um, it's just in there and it's running in the program in the background of your mind and it directs your thoughts, your behaviors, your actions, right? So first you have to notice what is that internal dialogue? How am I talking to myself every day? Am I Am I speaking unkindly? Am I talking down to myself? Am I being hypercritical or judgmental? And so the, the first step is noticing the words that you're using because your mind is always listening, right? And it just takes in what you're saying to it, right? So if you're always saying, oh, who am I? I'm not good enough. I'm crap. I can't do that, right? Your mind will go, oh, okay, got it. And then that will become the reality that you start creating for yourself, right? So you've got to shift the dialogue and it's as simple and as challenging as just reminding yourself each and every day, I am enough. 
I do deserve to be here. I am an expert, right? Imposter syndrome is suffered by so many people around the planet. It doesn't matter what level of of accolades that they have achieved, right? There's oftentimes still that voice of self-doubt. Well, it was just easy. I don't, everybody can do that. No, no, everybody can't do that. They can't do it in your unique way, right? So recognizing those internal voices and then giving yourself the credit that you deserve, right? I just um, recently celebrated the 20th anniversary of my business. Um, That's nice. And thanks. And it really was like, wow, 20, really? Huh. Like, wow. And I really, it, 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 was, it was almost uncomfortable for me to celebrate it. And I, you know, I had a Zoom party. And it was <laughs> really fun. But it felt very awkward for me to to get those accolades from friends and colleagues and former clients on the difference that I've been able to make in their lives, because it's just, it's just what I do, right? It's just my, it's the, the water that I swim in every day, right? But the, and the water that you swim in every day, the environment that you operate in is different than mine. So if I tried to step over into your pool, I'd be like, Whoa, how do I do this? (laughs) Right? So you just got to give yourself credit for the amazing things that you've been able to accomplish, small, medium, and large, right? Not from a place of ego, but just like, oh, wow, look what I made. That's yeah. that's pretty cool, right? And I guess the chances are, you know, if you're thinking or you're suffering with this imposter syndrome that we talked about, there's a good chance it's so common that so your peers are also suffering. And even the people you look up to, in somewhere in their psyche, there's some self-doubt somewhere. Then it's, it's funny, even those that we really respect or look up to can, can still be those that, that internally are actually suffering with, with, with the same anxieties. So I think that's really, really interesting. I know that in your work, you've helped a lot of people to overcome, I guess, mental and emotional blocks. And we've touched upon that already in terms of some of the methods you do to do that. But you've helped so many people gain confidence that has ultimately then resulted in in better success. I wonder if there's any um, case studies you could share with the listeners to give an example of some of the work you've done and some of the results of that work. Yes, I can give you case studies all day. It's my favorite thing. (laughs) Um, So uh, I worked with a gentleman earlier this year who's a 30-year veteran in the insurance field, right? Vice president of his company, and he was suffering from a lot of anxiety. It was getting to the point, you know, Sunday nights, anxious about going to work on Monday morning, waking up early every morning, like fearful about what do I have to do today? And am I going to get it right? Even though he he knew how to do his job, you know, backwards and forwards, but it was getting more and more debilitating because then he was procrastinating and he was avoiding. And so he decided to, to work with me. I have a 90 day breakthrough program that I do with folks. And Inside of those 90 days, he was able to get at the root cause of the anxiety. It was the dialogue that he was having with himself based on the somewhat abusive relationship that he had suffered as a, as a child um, with his mom. And even though she's been dead for 12 years, even though he had forgiven her, um, he realized there was still a lot of anger and frustration and old patterns that he was still operating from. So we were able to identify them and release them and do some healing around those and then reprogram his thinking and his anxiety significantly diminished, like went from like a 10 down to a two 
And um, he started doing things that he loved more because he was he wasn't procrastinating. He could get his work done sooner, faster, easier. So then he was able to, you know, spend time with his family, his community, playing ukulele, going running, doing other things. So his whole life was able to shift in a really positive way because he was able to change his thinking and how he was seeing himself, even though he's a very accomplished executive. So I see this time and time and time again. I work with a lot of um, executives and business owners and entrepreneurs who, despite all of their successes, they still have that internal voice of doubt that's creating that anxiety, that self-doubt, and it starts to impact their their physical well-being. You know, at the beginning of the show, I said that that dis-ease when we're at cross terms with our business can very quickly turn into disease. And your mind is so powerful, it will create physical ailments as a way to protect you from doing those other things. So anxiety can quickly lead to to migraines or to back pain, um, to digestive issues. I've worked with people um, who've had chronic IBS, chronic migraines. And because we were able to do the deeper healing that we do, those ailments went away or were significantly reduced. So someone, a, a, a young woman who, she was about 30 and she had suffered from IBS for 15 years. And what we found out at the root of it was when she was in high school, she played basketball. Her dad was her basketball coach. And despite doing well on the in the game and making the winning point, he would still constantly chastise her on the drive home and literally tell her she was crap. And I was like, wow, look, you took his words to heart and it manifested as inflammatory bowel syndrome, which wow. plagued her for 15 years. And once she saw that connection, once she realized and she changed her mind about that, she changed the dialogue, the IBS went away. And so the mind-body connection is just, it's mind-blowing to me. It's so interesting. It, it's a bit like um, you mentioned there, you know, that, that conversation she had with her dad many years ago, but it starts like a seed and that seed grows, right? And it grows and grows. And 15 years later, it's got it's it's, it's become a web, hasn't it? It's so difficult then to, to, as you say, rewire or untangle it all. I think it was really interesting. You mentioned that you do a lot of work with senior executives and entrepreneurs because often we look at those individuals as going, well, they've got all the success. They're doing so well. They must be amazing. But I've spoken to a few executives in the past and they say that actually the more success they have, the more wealth they accumulate the more anxiety builds because they're worried it's based on, it's like a house of cards. Like they, they get more protective over it all disappearing. And the more you create, the more you're worried about losing it all rather than enjoying the, the fruits of, of what you've actually accomplished. You get more fearful of losing fruits and you start hoarding. I don't know if you have come across some of that in, in some of the people you work with, but I've come across that a couple of times with people I've interviewed and people that I've met along the way, entrepreneurs and senior HR directors in particular. And um, they become quite worried about everything falling away because yes and that's part of their success which is a really interesting dichotomy it is i actually had a client once who very similar conversation you know it's not enough i need to know if we just had enough in the bank then i could retire when i'm like okay so what's enough she's like if i had 10 million in the bank then i would have enough i'm like okay so how much do you have in the bank now she's like six million i'm like (laughs) okay 
<laughs> so you get yeah. to notice that. And, you know, I'm sure there are people listening who are like, she got me crazy. You got six million dollars in the bank, right? 10 million, 20 million, 50 million, whatever it is. But it's all in your perspective, right? Yeah. To some, six million dollars is the world. To others, it's a drop in the bucket. Or they right? think about it, they want to get to four, but all the more worried about losing the six than gaining the four. And it's fearful of yeah. losing as well. It's yeah. So, and then so that important. creates its own its own demon, right? That plagues you. And it's like, well, is that is that how you want to live? Mm. Right. So it's about helping people. A big part of what I do is helping people really reconnect, not only with their values, but what is their why? What is their deeper purpose and the work that they are doing? And what? how does that bring them joy? How does that enable them to share their gifts in the world? Because if if they're not able to do that, that also is a big cause for stress and anxiety, worry, and fear. Have you ever asked yourself, How can any recruiter understand my HR recruitment challenges? Please don't give up on your hiring challenges just yet. Here at JGA HR Recruitment, we appreciate the difficulties associated with attracting, recruiting and retaining top human resources talent. We also understand just how costly a poor hire can be. JGA HR Recruitment would like to partner with you to help you overcome your hiring challenges. Contact us today on 01727 800 377 or visit jgarecruitment.com to find out more. Sure. Now, in a, mo- in a moment, we're going to actually talk about a little bit from an HR perspective, but how we can use some of these theories to help teams become more productive. I want to take this quick opportunity, actually, to say for those listening to this podcast, Michelle's very kindly offered a number of free little things you can all take away. So there's going to be a number of links in the episode notes. There's a free ebook you can download, which is Do You Have Imposter Syndrome? Six Triggers That Are Crushing Your Confidence. So go and check that out. Download it. That's free for you to access straight away. There's a free quiz, which is a post-pandemic recovery quiz. So go and access that as well if you wish to do so. There's even a free toolkit, which is all about conquering fear and anxiety. And there's another ebook as well, which is all about tapping into your power and presence. So four amazing resources there. Click straight through from these episode notes to access those, download them. Thank you ever so much, Michelle, for making those available. I wanted to pitch that in the middle of the podcast, because what we're going to do now is talk a little bit about the HR leadership side of things. We've got loads of HR leaders, HR directors, HR managers that listen to this podcast across the globe. And I know that they would want to know how they can create more productive and more committed workforces. But also there's a massive, massive um, drive at the minute to improve the overall well-being of the employees. And actually those two, doing those two things at the same time can be quite challenging. So what would you recommend to those HR professionals who want to create more committed and productive teams, but at the same time also want to look after the well-being side of the employee calculation? Yes, that's a huge challenge for so many people. How do you find the balance of doing your work, but also making time for yourself, right? And as an HR professional, it's really about helping your teams set clear boundaries. We know we all got to get the work done. We know we have deadlines. I would say as a former corporate person who worked for a lot of, you know, startups, it's typically kind of hair on fire a lot of the time, (laughs) right? But each person has to make their own boundaries as to how much work they're going to do and and when are they going to stop and turn it off and go home or do something else, right? And as HR professionals, we have to find that supportive way to help 
employees to set those boundaries, to make it okay. Because as you know, Nick, you know that saying, the fish rots from the head down, right? So if you've got a CEO or an executive team that are working, you know, 17 hours a day, the rest of the team thinks that they have to do that too. Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah. Right? And so it's about modeling for your team good behavior, knowing when to step away, knowing when to take breaks, knowing when to go on vacation, right? And creating a safe space for those conversations to ha- to be had, right? If employees don't feel seen and heard mentally, emotionally, they're going to shut down or they're going to they're going to step back, right? So the more you can engage people and have them feel seen and heard, like I get that you're struggling with something. It's okay. You can come talk to me about it, right? Creating that safe space is really, really important. And you think about it, HR directors and managers, they're oftentimes the coach on the team. For sure. Right? Absolutely. They're yeah. the the yeah. safe place or the listening ear yeah. for the employee challenges that are happening. I've talked to a lot of HR people over the years and they don't necessarily have coach training, right? Which is a whole different set of skills, right? I've dedicated 20 years of my life just to coaching. I would say for all the HR folks who are listening, the more of those coaching skills that you can acquire, the more tools you're going to have in your toolbox to help people feel more seen and more heard, which then intrinsically motivates them, right? This person sees me, this person cares that I'm here and that I'm making a difference, which motivates someone from the inside out to work harder, better, faster, whatever is required for that position. So it can make a huge difference because when you think about it, we aren't often fully seen in our lives, except by maybe, maybe the people who are closest to us. And even then that that isn't always the case, Sure, right? And so- That is one of the gifts that I treasure so much about being a coach is that I get to create the safe safe space for someone so they can actually feel authentically seen and authentically heard and that they can let their hair down and, and frump over and like not have it all together for a hot minute. So that is a really precious commodity these days. And HR professionals have the opportunity to be that kind of person in their organization if they choose to. I think it's absolutely fascinating. I think something that I've recognized, I was probably listening to it just as you mentioned it then really, that you're right, not everyone really sees us all the time, but typically pre-pandemic, we would spend more time at work than we would at home. So even our loved ones, you know, wouldn't necessarily see us all the time. I wouldn't see what we were actually like at work. But of course, now many people are working from home. Loved ones and others are seeing perhaps maybe even a different side to people, the more stressed side of people, the, the side they didn't see that often. And that can be very uncomfortable for the person at work as well. So I think there's lots of sort of forces at play here that are challenging people in the new world of work. The HR people in particular really have to contend with. And I thought it was really interesting. Obviously, this is the HR L&D podcast. So the listeners here are very familiar with coaching and leadership for their teams. But I do think that often the one person they forget is themselves. 
And actually yes. they need to focus as well and in, in, in invest in coaching for themselves and, and, and the learning development professionals as well in terms of their own coaching as well, because they need to give time, as you say, to themselves, because everyone needs it, right? And we could all benefit. And if it helps, then, then why not do that? I know that something you've done um, in your work is you've really helped HR leaders in particular to raise their, their the leadership EQ for engaged and remote teams. I'd love to know about some of that work that you've done, because I know that as a result of some of that work, and I've obviously looked at your website and seen some of the work you've done, people you've spoken to, and you've got some amazing testimonials, I should say, as well. So a lot of leaders talking about the great work you've done. But it's really resulted in some really strong buy-in, it's reduced conflict, and you've been able to help HR leaders to create really strong cultures of trust and inclusivity. Two things which I think are of paramount importance in the new world of work, or always been important, but maybe now more than ever. Could you talk us through a little bit more of some of that sort of leadership EQ work that you've been doing? Yeah, well, it all comes back to knowing yourself, right? The more you can pause and get to know yourself as a leader, how do I show up as a leader? What are my strengths as a leader? What are the areas that I need to work on or bolster um, the more you can understand the finer nuances of yourself, the more easily it is for you to see into the abilities of others. So I use a variety of different assessments with my clients, whether it's individuals or teams. Um, one of my favorites is called Talent Dynamics. It's an assessment that helps you un- understand what's that sweet spot that you operate from most naturally, Right. Um, that place that comes to you with greatest of ease, that conscious competence place, right? And so when you can understand that about yourself, like, oh, I'm naturally a connector and great at sales and marketing, for example, then you can see those traits in the other people on your team and you can see where they're not. It's just understanding more about the human dynamics of individuals so that you can help pull that out and reflect it back to them, right? We're all mirrors for each other. And as leaders, that's a big part of our job, right? Is to mirror back the the hidden talents that we see in the employees on our teams that they might see in themselves because they they poo-poo it. They take it for granted. Oh, everybody can do that. And you have to be like, no, that is your unique gift that only you can do that way, right? And then they Oh, and then they sit up a little taller and they shine <laughs> a little brighter and they lean in it. more into the into the process of whatever the work is. So using various assessments to help you as a leader understand yourself and how you work best, right? Most fluidly, most naturally, and then doing that for your team because then you can also identify What's the best role for someone on the team for any given project? Not necessarily based on your job title. And I, I have a had a client in Australia that did this assessment for her whole team, right? And she had all of their their assessment charts, their profile charts up on the wall in the conference room. And so any new project that would come in, she would look at each person's profile type again and go, okay, this is a marketing project, so we need Mary to lead it because she that's her natural way of being in the world versus if it was a licensing project, she would have had John do it because his strength was more in the analytical and the reporting side of things. So when you understand those finer nuances of everyone on your team, 
It allows you to bring out the best in them. So your motivation goes up, productivity goes up, and general overall satisfaction, um, job satisfaction goes up. So it can have a huge ripple effect, not only for each employee, but even on the bottom line numbers. Well, interestingly, if you're following that kind of protocol, there's a lot of talk, particularly in, in the DE&I world, uh, about you know reducing unconscious bias and looking at bias. Presumably with that kind of approach, that must really help reduce bias in the workplace, which presumably then would enhance things like collaboration and teamwork. And for those feeling like they're, you know, they're suffering from bias, maybe it reduces their stress. Do, do you find it's had a really strong positive impact in relation to workplace bias? It can. It depends on the culture of sure. the organization, right? And it depends on the safe space that has been created for people to actually raise their hand and go, I'm I'm feeling bias, right? I'm feeling bias from this person or from this experience. And so realizing how to have those conversations and maintaining that safe space is paramount um, so that, that it can positively impact the DEI space of any organization. I guess the way I was thinking of it is if you've got that kind of skills assessment result, you're, you're set and you've got that uh, as your Australian client had it on the wall, you're picking people based on the skills and behaviors and things that they've shown in that report as opposed to anything else. So my thinking was, if you're following that kind of approach, that must help reduce some of that bias because you're looking at the results in front of you. Everyone else can come in and see the same picture you're seeing and say, actually, yeah, it's a marketing task. You can clearly see that for that task, it, it relates to Mary because, because of this. It's not about anything else. It, it, it's, it, this is, there's no bias involved in that process. We're all seeing the same result. That's kind of how I was thinking about it. Maybe not everyone is so open with the results on a board, but I was thinking of some of the potentially the positive uh, outcomes you could get from, from being so visible with other people's results in a team. Yes, and that's a great, that's a great, great point. And, and it does take that authentic visibility, right? I worked with a team many years ago. It was a government organization and we did a different assessment. We did the Myers-Briggs assessment and they were very, very, there was a group of like 30 people. They were extremely hesitant to like show them, like, I'm not going to show you my, my results, right? You might, you might use it against me, right? Something bad will happen. And so the morning, the first half of the day, we went through an understanding what these men and everything in the The second half of the day, everybody's shoulders kind of came down a little bit and they started to realize, oh, this can't hurt me. It's not it's not a bad thing if I if you know that I'm an ENTJ or whatever. Right. And so but we asked them, we did this really interesting exercise. We split them up into four different groups based on their types. And we asked them, how do you like to be seen and how do you like to be recognized for your good work, right? And the more extroverted team, they were like, I want a pat on the back. I want, I want a parade. I want a party, right? And and the other question was, and if you don't get seen and recognized that way, what do you do? And so their answer was, well, if I don't, well then, you know, I'll just keep working and I'll keep moving harder and keep moving forward harder. The other end of the spectrum, they were like, you know, a quiet thank you is it suffices, right? That's just fine. And if I if I don't get recognized for my hard work, then I might take my ball and go home or leave the company. And the other group was like, they were aghast, like, what? What? And so it was just so fascinating to see the different perspectives 
that these different mindsets have, right? It, it helped open up the doors and take off the blinders of understanding their colleagues and their thinking processes so that that thing that your cubicle neighbor does can annoy you less, right? And another team that I worked with, we actually had them break up into their small organizational groups. So each department. Yeah. And it was a it was a team of about 50 people total. We had the whole organization together. They each went around and shared a story from their childhood that shaped them to becoming who they are. So this one man shared that as a little boy, he lived in poverty in China and he roamed the streets and he didn't have any money. And now he's the finance guy. He's the comptroller. And so he pinches every single penny. And it used to annoy his colleagues because he pinched every single penny. But now they understood why he pinched every single penny. And they were like, I get it. Right. And so it it totally changed the profile of the communication in the organization because they could really see each other from where they came and why they do oh. the things that they do. That's a great example. I can totally see the value in, in that work. And so it, it's a really, really, really good example. I can imagine how the culture of that team must have been totally transformed as a result of that kind of work. One thing I want to ask is, as you go up the chain of um, you know, your corporate career, particularly for an HR professional, they've gone from a manager, become a director. I always find the higher you go through the hierarchical career path, sometimes the lonelier it can become. You know, to be boastful about an you know something you have achieved can actually be quite demoralizing for those you're trying to lead. So that can make it even harder. And sometimes you think, well, I'm doing great work, but I, there's no one above me or there's no one really to tell me I'm doing a great job. So I've kind of tell myself, but it's not always enough. Sometimes we like to be recognized. So what would you say to those people who are finding leadership a lonelier place than perhaps they expected? What can they do to try and overcome some of some of that anxiety? Wow, that's a that's a very very great point, and I see that a lot. It you know the adage is lonely at the top is very true yeah. because most people in your organization don't know what you had to go through to get to where you are. Right? There's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears that goes into being at the top of it, of any organization, and so finding a group of your peers is really important. Maybe not necessarily inside of your own company, finding places, spaces where you can connect with people of like mind and share those wins because they'll be able to see it and recognize it, right? Having a coach is also another great way to be able to process the good and the bad of things that happen for executives at that level, because you can't be friends, you know, with, well, let me rephrase that. You can be friendly, but the, the type of relationship shifts, the further the dynamic shifts between you and where another employee is on your team. So. No, it's fascinating. I think there's, there's probably questions I could throw at you all day, Michelle, here on this kind of subject. What I'd like to do if ask, if you can just wrap it up for the HR leaders. So if if there are HR leaders now, and you've covered all this, but if we can summarize it, who are perhaps trying to manage negative emotions, fears, misconceptions, we talked about imposter syndrome, And they want to be able to manage all of those things more efficiently to really improve their confidence and their productivity. What are they, what's the key takeaway? What's the key piece of advice you would give to all of those people that that may be still a little bit unsure, having listened to all the things you've given us so far, but what's the reassuring piece of advice, I guess I could ask you to give those listeners right now. Well, that's a big question. (laughs) It's a big Um, one to finish on, I thought. The big one to finish. The key takeaway here is, 
trust your instincts, listen to your gut, and use that to guide you in making the decisions that you need to make each and every day, whether it's for an individual or your whole team. And then get curious, ask questions, make sure that you keep those lines of communication open so that you can get the information that you need to then ultimately make whatever the decision needs to be, you know, and all the research that I've done um, over the years, our gut usually leads us in the right direction, right? But we have to, as logical thinking human beings, we have to get the evidence to back it up, right? To prove to ourselves, oh, that our gut was right to yeah, begin have the with. Confidence it. But to listen to it. Yeah. Yeah. So it is really practicing that muscle of listening to your intuition and getting familiar with it, becoming friends with it, allowing yourself the space and the time to listen to it. I I try, I do my best to take time to meditate every day because in that quiet space, I'm able to, to drop a question before I go into my meditation. What's needed today? And that information just comes to me because I've created that that space, that quiet space for it to drop in. I always know when it's on the money because the top of my head tingles. Oh, wonderful. Opening the L&D vault. Before we find out where we can find out more about your business and, and where we can connect with yourself, Michelle, we're going to quickly open the L&D vault. So these are four short, sharp questions, quick responses, just to pull together everything we've discussed today. So in hindsight, what's the one thing you now know that you wish you'd known when you began your career? Oh, gosh. To know that I was enough. Great. Fabulous. If you had one piece of advice to give to the world to help everyone working in HR right now, what would it be? Believe in yourself. You're much more capable than you could possibly know. Super. If you had the opportunity, what advice would you give to a younger you just starting out in the world of work? It's okay to ask for help. You don't have to know everything and you don't. <laughs> Fabulous. And my last but not least, what is the guiding principle behavior that you see in every great leader? Kindness, compassion, tenacity. Fantastic. Michelle, it's been an absolute pleasure. It's been, I could honestly ask you questions all day. I'm totally fascinated in the way that you rewire, the way that you look at the world, the way that you help others to achieve great success. So thank you ever so much for joining me today on the HRND podcast. Of course, for those interested in finding out more, there'll be a number of links in the episode notes, but in particular, please do go to nectarconsulting.com. That's N-E-C-T-A-R consulting.com for more information regarding that business. But also there's another website as well, which is michellemolitor.com, which is specifically about the one-to-one -one work she does with individuals. So if you're listening to this and you feel like Michelle could be a great coach for you, please do look at the episode notes, get in contact with Michelle and she can guide you and help you with all the things we've discussed today. Are there any other links and places you'd like me to redirect the audience? There is going to be links to all of your social channels here as well. She's very, very active in social. So please do connect to those and follow Michelle's work. But anything else you'd like me to uh, to direct the audience to, Michelle? Nope, you've got all the keys to the kingdom, Nick. It's all good. Fabulous. <laughs> well, I'm going to take this so opportunity. I'm going to take the opportunity as well to just to mention you have two masterclasses as well. So I'm going to do this, make a little plug for you here. You've got a masterclass which is keys to cultivating your confidence: five secrets to getting unstuck. I'll put a link to that in the episode notes. 
And another one, we talked about this on the podcast, a masterclass on rewiring your relationship with money, tools for mastering your mindset. So both those links will also be in the episode notes. I hope you've really enjoyed the show. Of course, if you are an HR or L&D professional listening to this podcast and you've got an HR or L&D related vacancy, please give myself a call or my team. You can access us at www.jjrecruitment.com. And of course, that link is also in the episode notes. So it just leads me to say a huge thank you to Michelle for joining me today on the HRNDB LND podcast. Be my absolute pleasure. And I look forward to bringing you the next episode real soon. Take care of yourselves and each other. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you so much, Nick. A real pleasure and treat to be here with you. Thanks, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning into the HR LD podcast with your host, Nick Day, CEO of JGA Recruitment Specialist HR Recruiters. If you need any help with the current HR or L&D vacancy, then please get in touch with Nick and his team. All contact details can be found in the episode notes. In the meantime, to make sure you never miss a future episode, please subscribe to the show through any of your favorite podcast channels. Till next time.